Welcome to Passion Life Church. Welcome to church today, and I'm glad that you're here. And we're continuing this Dreamers series. And really what I wanted to do is, you know, a lot of times in different series, we talk about different things that the Bible says. And, you know, we can talk about problems and problem solving. I think that's all really, really good. But today what I wanted to do is, is to speak to the dreamer in you. You know, because God has a purpose for your life. He has a destiny for your life. And a dream, what it does is God gives you a preview of of your destiny. When I go to the movies, I never like to miss the previews. My wife will tell you, if I'm missing the previews, I'm going to the next showing time. Why? I want to know what's coming. And that's what God will do in your life. He'll show you a picture of your future. And so because you have a destiny, he wants to show you a picture. And so God wants us all to dream. How can you say that, Pastor Phil? I can say that because the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs is that without a vision, everybody say vision. Without a vision, that can also mean dream. Without a vision, people perish. God doesn't want you to perish, so what he's going to do? He's going to give you a dream. And so that dream is going to be a picture of your destiny. And in reality, the destiny is why you're alive. You are here to fulfill God's purpose. Can I just encourage you? Nothing else is going to satisfy you. Nothing else is going to fulfill you until you get in touch with that purpose. And unfortunately, what happens is most people live their life and actually some will even die without ever activating the dream that God has placed in their life. What they'll do is they'll allow fear or circumstances or maybe what other people do or didn't do in their life to cause them to abandon their dreams. And you know, it's interesting to me that God has this amazing dream for your life. He wants us to dream big. Why? Because he's a big God. He wants to do more in our life that we can even think. But you know what's unfortunate, my church family, is so many people settle for less than God's best. Can I hear a good amen? And so what happens is the moment that you start to settle less for the dream that God gave you, the moment that you do, you actually get less than what you settled for. And you know what I found is that when you are a dreamer and you have that dream in front of you, you can't reach for a dream and stay mediocre at the same time. Because a dream, watch this, has pulling power. It will pull you. It will motivate you. This is what dreams do. It'll motivate you. It'll help you set priorities of, hey, I'm in line with that. That's what I'm going for in my life. You won't waste time. You know, a lot of people People are depressed simply because they don't have a dream, because they don't see the picture that, it, that God has for their lives. And so what I'm hoping is that in this series, it'll help to motivate you because when you have a dream, you're passionate, you're motivated. Come on, you want to get up in the morning. And that's an excitement that God wants us to have. And he can do more than we could even think. You know, that's been our theme scripture. Ephesians chapter three, verse 20 says this. Look what God can do. This is the message translation. I love what it says. It says, God can do anything. Anybody believe that this morning, that God can do anything? God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine. You know, I have a huge imagination, but even in my imagination, that never limits God because he can always do more than I can even imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. He does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us, his spirit deeply and gently. And what we've been doing in this series, it's kind of the way that I like to teach, is that I like to get our themes from the Bible. Some, somebody told me, hey, you really, you, know, you really preach out of the Bible. I was like, well, shouldn't we when we come to church? I mean, that's really why we're here. And so we pick up these themes from the Bible. And so we've been looking at a young man named Joseph. Why do I feel like God has asked us to look at Joseph's life? Well, he was a dreamer. But here's another reason. He was a dreamer, and despite... All of the negative circumstances, I'm telling you, despite what everybody did to him in a dysfunctional family that he had, his dreams still came true. So I believe we can learn from Joseph. If you have your Bibles, come on, turn to Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. We're going to begin reading in verse 19. Genesis is the very first book of the Bible. And uh, as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of a history and just a little bit of a review, a, a review of what we've covered 
Joseph at 17 had two world changing dreams uh, and his family was so dysfunctional. Anybody come from a dysfunctional family? Don't raise their hand. Raise your hand. You may be sitting next to him this morning. And in the middle of his dysfunction, God gives him a dream. So God doesn't want us just to be focused on the present. He wants to give you a vision of the future in the midst of the problem. He wants you to look forward. He wants you to have a promise in the midst of your problem. His brothers hated Joseph. I mean, they hated him. His dad loved him. The Bible says more than any of his other brothers. How I many you know that's pretty dysfunctional? That's not a good dad loving one kid more than the other kids. And so his brothers hated him and they wanted to kill him. I have some crazy family members, crazy, and none that have tried to kill me yet. All right. I'll just be honest with you, or at least that, that I, that I know of, but they come up with this idea. Let's kill Joseph. And then one is like, well, let's put him in a pit. So they throw Joseph in a pit and another one's like, Hey, you know what? Let's not, let's look, let's not kill him when we can make money off of him. So they put him on Craigslist. Come on, somebody, that weird website, right? That looks like it was made back in 1970. And, um, and they sell him human trafficking, right? They sell him and he goes to Egypt, right? Well, let me just go back. Remember they threw him in the pit and what did we say? We said, don't quit in the pit, right? Because sometimes life, you can fall into some pits. And then he was sold as a slave, but the Bible tells us God was with him and Potiphar, somebody say Potiphar, Potiphar. Pharaoh's chief over all of Pharaoh's homeland security. He was the captain of the guard, Saul Pharaoh. And the Bible says that Joseph found favor in, Pharaoh's in, in, uh, in Potiphar's eyes and Potiphar purchased him and put Pharaoh over every, put, um, I'm sorry, put Joseph over everything in Potiphar's house. And remember last week we talked about the, the real housewives of Egypt. Remember desperate housewives, Potiphar's wife, Mrs. Potiphar had longing eyes towards Joseph, right? And we said, maybe she's born with it or maybe it's Maybelline, right? We didn't know, but she had longing eyes for Joseph. Joseph was handsome, right? And so she said, the Bible says every single day she told him, come lie with me. Right. And I don't need to give you the Hebrew word for lie with me. I think you get the understanding and Joseph, right. We said last week, you've got to win the battle of distraction to get your dream. And so he says, I will not lie with you and sleep with you. And he runs away. And here's where we pick up the story because she is going to accuse him of rape and then he is going to get thrown into prison. Don't you love the Bible? Come on, it's better than Netflix, somebody. If you'll just read it, come on, it's better than Amazon Prime. Read the Bible. And here's the title of my message today. I want to give you three keys of three keys of how to unlock prison doors. Let's look at Joseph's life. Genesis chapter 39, verse 19. And so it was when his master, who's this, Mr. Potiphar, heard the words that his wife spoke to him. Him. And here, here his wife is going to say, she's accusing Joseph of rape. Your servant did to me after this manner, right? She's accusing him of rape. Now she has his robe in her hand. Joseph didn't give her his robe. She tore it off. I mean, she just grabbed that robe. So it looks, come on, she's setting up this scene, right? Come on, this is a CSI Egypt right here. She grabbed the coat, right? And he took off and she's holding the coat as she's saying this, as she's accusing Joseph of rape in verse 20, right? It says, then Joseph's master took him and put him into prison. Somebody say prison. A place where the king's prisoners were confined and he was there in the prison, right? Verse 21, watch this. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him what? Mercy. Everybody say that. Mercy. mercy. I ask you a question. How many of us could use a little more mercy in our lives, right? And so it says, but the Lord was with him. Wow, even in prison, the Lord was with him and showed him mercy. I'm going to talk about that today. And he gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you that you are with us. Lord, continue to show us mercy. Help us to look for mercy and your favor, Lord, even in the prison times of our life. And Jesus said, and everybody said, 
Amen. I've entitled today, Keys That Unlock Prison Doors. You know, Joseph was accused of rape. And it was, again, we see his life start to flourish. He's at Potter's house. He's doing great. I mean, he's running everything. The Bible says that Potiphar doesn't even know what's going on in his own house. All he knows about is what he's eating because Joseph is running the whole household. But here again, somebody in Joseph's life is going to try to derail his life by making accusations. And can I just tell you this morning that Potiphar's wife may have been able to control a small portion of Joseph's life. Life, but she couldn't control his destiny. And see, all of our lives are affected by other people's choices. And they may affect your life, but don't let them control your life. I'm not going to be controlled by what somebody tried to do. I'm not going to be controlled by when somebody tried to hurt me and live in hurt. There are many people who live in the prison of hurt. There are many people who live in the prison of unforgiveness. And you know what you are doing? You are allowing that person to continue to hurt you every day. I would never give somebody that much control in my life. I would never do that. But you know what? She made her decision, but I'm not going to let other people's decision, listen, control my destiny. Can I hear a good amen? amen? But here's what you need to know. Joseph is thrown in prison because of something that he's accused of that he did not do. Now, I want everybody to look at me today. I like being real because I think sometimes we don't talk about certain things, but do you know that Joseph being tempted by Potiphar's wife, I'm going to tell you something. Potiphar's wife was something. She was hot. She was very hot. How do I know she was hot? Because the women in Egypt were some of the most beautiful women in all the world. Come on. They have all of that makeup on. They got the Mac. You know what I'm talking about? They got all of these things. I mean, they were some of the most beautiful women in all of the world. And you know what Joseph could have said? He could have said this, man, if I just sleep with her, I could solidify my future. See, if I just sleep with her, I, will, I won't have any problems. I already got Potiphar. Potiphar's on my side. He loves me. You know what? So if I just make this connection with this woman, all I got to do is just sleep with her once. And you know what? I am going to have connections. I'm going to solidify my future. But you know what he does? He refuses and he does what's right. And my church family, he's thrown in prison because of doing the right thing. And see, right now, when we look at it, on the surface, we go, man, I can't believe that. Man, that's, that, that's just not, it's not right, but it's going to pay off in the future because character will always lead you to your destiny if you'll stay and have integrity. And so he's thrown in prison. Now, listen, prison in Egypt is not like what you see on the Lifetime channel or the Discovery channel. It's not like that. As a matter of fact, the, the Egyptians, because they didn't want to waste land, they put their prisons underground. And the way that people got into prisons is they would lower them into the ground. So these prisons were underground and I can't even imagine the filth, the stench, really the disease that were in these prisons. And here comes a man who did nothing wrong and he was lowered into the prisons. And I'm going to tell you, every single one of us can have a prison season in our life. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've had multiple. Can I just describe it for you? The prison season is dark. It's dark. It feels constrained. It's definitely where you do not want to be. You feel locked in. Let me say it this way. You feel trapped. It's kind of like the pit, but it's a lot worse because you, you feel like anything that you do doesn't matter, doesn't make a difference. I've had several of these in my life where I felt my life is in a prison. Sometimes it's because of things that we do. And sometimes it can be like Joseph, things that other people have done have put us in chains and it's not a good place to be. Can I hear a good amen? amen. But the good news is, is not only did he go from the pit. See, when you're in a prison season of your life, the good news is the next step is the palace that God has for you. So the next step is the palace. But here's what I want to know. How did Joseph go from the prison of his life to the palace of his life? What did Joseph do that unlocked some of these doors? Now he was in there a long time. 
He was in there a long time. But here's what I want to know. I want to know what did he do? And if he did some things, if he believed some things, if he acted certain ways, if I can take those truths, those principles, could they apply to my life when I get into the, in the prison of my life? Now, and what we're going to find, actually, what Joseph did is he applied biblical principles that you and I can apply in our life that got him out of the prison. Now, let me say this. Here's what I know about dreamers. If your dream is going to come true, what's important is you are going to need the right connections and you're going to need the right doors to be open for you. Can I hear a good amen? Every dreamer needs doors that are open for you. And so especially if you're in the prison, you need the doors to be unlocked so you can get out of the prison and fulfill your dream. And here's the good news. The Bible says that God can open doors for you that no man can shut. Can I hear a good amen? And so God, yeah, yeah, you can give him a good round of applause. Come on, give him a good round of applause. So that means that God can open doors for your dream. And even when people are trying to hate on you, he can keep those doors open. That's a prayer in my life all the time because I'm a dreamer. I said, Lord, I want you to open doors that no person can shut. But here's another part of that prayer. Lord, I want you to shut doors that no man can open. I don't want to walk through doors that look good or maybe are open that are not doors that you have for my destiny. Why not, Pastor Phil? Because I'll waste time. Always energy, always passion, walking through doors that are not, and I don't need to be walking through. Just because a door is open doesn't mean you should walk through it. Let me break it down if you're single. Not everybody who is available, you need to date. Right? Just because they're available, that doesn't mean you need to date them. Maybe they're available because, okay, so... But you need to pray and ask God and say, hey, God, is this the door that you're open? But I always pray, Lord, I want every door shut. And I don't want people to try to convince me to go through doors. Don't open the door if it's not to my destiny. Can I hear a good amen? But God can do that. And so God is going to open doors for Joseph to get out of the prison. But there's some things that Joseph did to unlock those doors. And I thought maybe we should share those three things that Joseph did. And if you'll write them down, you may not be in a prison season, but I'll tell you what, they can come every once in a while and you're going to know how to get out of them. Turn over to Genesis chapter 40, verse four through eight. Are you glad that you came to church this morning? Me too. I may come back next week. Genesis chapter 40, verse four. Watch what's going to happen. It just so happens that as Joseph is in prison, Pharaoh's butler and Pharaoh's baker are also thrown in prison. And for today's message, if it's okay with you, I'm going to call the baker Bobby Flay, and I'm going to call the butler Alfred, because I'm a big Batman fan. All right. So the baker from Fruit Network is going to be Bobby Flay today, right? We're going to see if anybody can beat Bobby Flay or if he's going to get chopped. But, or here's the thing, we're going to talk about the butler. But I want to say this, Joseph could not have orchestrated this connection. He couldn't have. Only God can put things together. Even in the, listen, even in the prison of his life, he's going to meet the right people. It shows you what God can do. Genesis chapter 40, verse four. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them and he served them. Now, Joseph is in charge of the prison. Why? Because of the favor of God. And what does it said that he do? It says, and he what? He served them. Hmm, that's interesting. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt were confined in the prison and had a dream. Somebody say had a dream. But both of them, each man's dream in one night and each dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came to them in the morning and looked at them and saw they were. Verse 7. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with them in the custody of his Lord's house saying this. Watch. Why do you look so sad today? Verse 8. And they said to him. We each have had a dream and there is no interpreter of it. Let me give you three keys that unlock prison doors. 
I've seen it happen in my life and I believe it can happen in your life. When you are in a prison season of your life, here's number one, make sure to keep sowing in every season of your life. What do you mean, Pastor Phil? Joseph is in prison, right? Now, let me tell you something. They've done studies about people who have gone to prison. Now, I'm not going to ask how many of you have ever been in prison and to raise your hand because the people sitting next to you may freak out. So I'm not going to do that. But they've done studies about people that are in prison. And watch what happens. They say one of the mindsets that happens when you get into prison is you shift into a survival mode survival mode. There may be some people in this room right now, you are in this mode, survival mode. Things didn't go the way you thought they would go. And now all of a sudden you were thriving, but now you are surviving. You're surviving. And so in the prison, the mentality can become, guess what? I am surviving. Also that talks about the study said that they begin to lose sleep that they can begin to lose sleep, stay up all night. I don't know what keeps you up at night. I don't know what thoughts keep you up at night. But in the prison season, they say that many prisoners can go into insomnia, that they just don't sleep in the prison, right? And they also talk about how in the prison, some of the prisoners would stay in their beds for seven to nine hours a day, meaning maybe not sleeping, but what happens is they're not moving, they're depressed, their muscles begin to atrophy, they don't move, right? They're not moving. Why? Because they become acclimated to the prison and they have started to just survive. They also say in prison, what happens is many of the prisoners have high anxiety, high anxiety in the prison season of your life. You may say, Pastor Phil, listen, I'm not in the prison season of my life. You have high anxiety. You're in a prison season. You've allowed the bars of anxiety to start to determine your life. And so I say that mentality to you because Joseph's in the prison. Watch this. He doesn't have a survival mindset. He has a serve mindset. A serve mindset is not a survival mindset. The Bible says that he looks at the butler and the baker and he begins to serve them in the prison of his life life. That is actually counterculture to the way we think today. Usually we think today when we're in the prison of our life, leave me alone. I'm going to isolate myself. You know what? I don't want to be around people. Maybe even I hate people. Well, I'm going to tell you, you're never going to get out of that prison. Because Joseph, what he did is he began to serve two other prisoners in the prison of his life. But there's something that Joseph understood, and I want you to understand it too. Joseph had a covenant. He had a covenant that God made with his great grandfather, Abraham and the covenant. And it was actually this promise. The promise was to Abraham. God said to Abraham, I will bless you and you will be. Does anybody know the rest of it? A blessing. I will bless you and you will be a blessing. Now, do you know that that covenant and that promise is available to you today? How is it available to you today? In Galatians chapter three, verse 29, look what it says. And if you be Christ's, how many of you have Jesus on the inside of you? You are a child of God. Said, Let me see your hand. Come on, raise it up. And if you don't know that today, we can help you with that today. But listen, then that means you are Christ. Say that with me. I am Christ's. I am Christ. So Galatians 3.29 says, if you are Christ, watch, then you are Abraham's seed. Remember, let's rewind. Three, four weeks ago. Remember, Abraham wanted kids. He wanted descendants. And God told him, get outside of your tent. Sometimes you got to get a new perspective, look out and count the stars, right? You can't count the stars, but God was telling him, come on, look, put your head up, look at the stars. Cause that's going to be the number of your descendants. But watch this. He says, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. So today, if Jesus is in your heart, you are a child of God, you are Christ, guess what? You are Abraham's seed, watch this, and heirs according to the what? What is the promise? The promise is I will bless you and you will be a blessing. You can claim that promise. Why? You are Abraham's seed. Why? Because you are Christ's. So you were a part of Abraham's vision and dream thousands of years ago. It's still happening today. 
Pastor Phil, why is this important? Because Joseph knew this covenant, this promise that God would bless him and he would be a blessing. The Bible says that when Joseph went into prison, God showed him what? Favor and what else? Mercy. Everybody say mercy. Mercy in the Hebrew has two definitions. The first definition is this, acts of kindness. Acts of kindness. So according to this promise, God and Joseph knew, I am blessed to be a blessing. God has given me mercy. When God gives you mercy, we as children of God need to be looking for acts of mercy. Do you remember that when Joseph was a slave and the Bible says that Joseph found favor in Potiphar's eyes? Do you know why Joseph found favor in Potiphar's eyes? Because Joseph was looking for favor. See, I'm a big proponent of you will find what you're looking for. If you're looking for trouble, you will find it. Whatever you're looking for, you will find. See, I'm in my life looking for God's favor. I'm looking for acts of grace. I'm look why? Because the Bible promises me as Abraham's seed that I'm going to be blessed. Are you looking for God's blessing in your life? Are you looking for acts of mercy in your life? Because you know what? They're there. People will do things for you. And if you're not careful because you're in the prison of your life, you will not acknowledge the good mercy that will come into your life. So you may be looking for a job and you know what? You want 40 hours, but somebody says, I can only give you 10. Listen, that's an act of mercy and receive it and thank God for the act of mercy. It may not be everything that you need, but it is an act of kindness. But here's the second part of that Hebrew definition that Joseph understood from this promise. If God is showing me mercy, then I must show acts of kindness to other people. See, if God is showing me mercy in my prison season, then I need to show mercy to the other prisoners. And it was with that belief that he starts to serve two other prisoners. You know what I think is interesting? While Joseph was in prison, he's in prison. He's actively looking for the mercy of God. He's actively looking. And so he knows that because God's shown him mercy, God has elevated him even in the prison to oversee the whole prison. Now he understands I can't block God's blessing. See, this is what we do sometimes. Lord, I need a whole bunch of mercy. Oh Lord, please give me mercy. And then someone cuts us off on the freeway. We won't give them an ounce of mercy. Oh Lord, I need your forgiveness. I did. One person mad dogs you and like, hey, don't look at me that way. Come on, let's give. If you want mercy, we need to give mercy because God has given you mercy. Come on, we need to forgive people because God has forgiven us. And Joseph's in the prison and he recognizes two sad faces. I thought, wouldn't they all be sad? They're in prison. They're all in prison. Watch this. Write this down. He sees the trouble of others, even though he's in trouble himself. He sees the needs of others when even he has needs. He needs to, he wants to get out of there. But see, sometimes we're so involved in our own personal problems and our own personal uh, uh, prison that we forget that there are other people. And let me, let me encourage you this. There are other people who are in worse prisons than you are today. And so what Joseph does is he actually recognizes the faces of two prisoners. Now, can I just be honest with you? Joseph could have ignored them. Joseph could have said, hey, look, my life is crummy. I'm going to ignore you. I'm going to just walk away. He doesn't. He notices other people in the prison of his life. And he goes and he says, why are you so sad? And then they say this, right? Now, these words would have triggered my anger, right? They say, oh, um, we, uh, we have two dreams. I would have been like, what did you say? What are you talking about, Willis? Did you just say the word dream? Because I get a little tick when I get a dream because my dream got me in this prison. I was a dreamer. 
But my family was dysfunctional. They threw me in a pit. Then I went to the palate and he could have went off. I ain't going to talk about no dreams. But you know what I love about Joseph? Lord, give our church some Josephs. Joseph was ministering to somebody else's dream when his own dream didn't happen yet. He was willing to serve someone else when what he wanted to happen didn't happen. Ooh, there's a principle there. Joseph is serving somebody else's dream when his own dream didn't happen. You know why? Because he's sowing in every season of his life. I love that. I love that he's serving other people in the prison of his own life. Joseph, listen, starts helping somebody else when he needs some help himself. Ooh. See, because I know people. I come into church today. My big toe hurts. My toe hurts, so I'm going to stay in bed. You know what? You stay in bed. Because if that's all that's going to stop you from getting up and moving forward is your big toe, you've got more problems than we even know. But you know what I love? There's people like Michael Brown back there. People, I'm telling you, this guy is just amazing to me. I walked into church one day and he had his foot up on the chair. And I thought the audacity of somebody to come to church and put their feet up on the chair. And then I looked at his foot and it was broken. And I said, what are you doing here at church? And he said, I'm coming to church. Broken foot or no, I need to be in church. Can I just tell you something? See, I told you they love you, Michael. Now, when I saw that, see, when someone overcomes their limitations, it challenges my expectations. And people, can I just say it in all love? We're so delicate today. Oh, this person didn't say hi to me. Yeah, you're never going to get out of the prison like that. Because you know what Joseph would do? If people aren't saying hi to Joseph, Joseph would be in the lobby, lobby hugging people, saying hi to people because of the mercy that God showed him. He would be showing other people. Since we're talking about broken legs, I was in the gym the other day and was on the treadmill doing my thing. You know how like you think like you're working out, like you got a couple sweat beads coming down. You're like, yeah, man, I'm pushing it. So I'm like pushing it as I think that I can, right? Like I'm pushing in. I got my message and I'm listening to some preachers and I'm like, ah. then the door opens and this guy walks in with a broken leg and he's got one of those like little, those little like scooter thingies. Like he's scooting himself with the, you know, with the, with the wheel. And I thought, oh, he's just here probably looking for somebody. No, he takes that thing off got a broken leg and he starts picking up weights. He starts moving. And I'm like, <laughs> gets on the floor, starts working out his abs with a broken leg up. And, and I like, I look at what I'm doing on the treadmill. I'm like, I need to boost this up just a little bit. <laughs> because when you see somebody overcome their limitations, it challenges you. And sometimes we can be so delicate and we're comparing ourselves. Ooh, and I feel funky. You know what? If you'll make the right decision, you'll have the right feelings. You need to get up and start to do something and serve some other people. And Joseph begins to help somebody else's dream when his own dream doesn't come true. Now, can I just be honest with you? In the corporate world, in the corporate world, the usual train of thought is don't help somebody else reach their goals because that's going to hinder you. That's the mindset of the world. But that contradicts what the Bible says, because here's what the Bible says. And this is, listen, this is amazing. Joseph is doing this even before it was written in the New Testament. The Bible tells us that whatever you make happen for somebody else, God will make happen for you. Whatever you do for somebody else, God watches and he makes happen for you. Write this scripture down. Ephesians chapter six, verse eight, knowing that whatever, whatever good, whatever good anybody does, he will receive what? The same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. But can I tell you, I do it more when I'm in prison and I'm a slave because I need to get out. So what I make happen for other prisoners, God is going to make happen for me. Proverbs eleven twenty five. Well, Pastor Phil, when is God going to refresh me? 
when you start refreshing others. See, Proverbs says a generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. When is somebody going to greet me? Because that's really where we are in a lot of our churches. It's the me church, not the we church. It's all about me. I saw those donuts in the lobby and I didn't know if I should grab one. They said they were free, but maybe somebody will give me a donut. Oh, it gets worse. Why didn't you go back to that church? Nobody gave me a donut. Since nobody gave you a donut, why don't you be like Holly, go out and buy some donuts and bring some and hand them out to other people. This was Joseph's attitude. So in every season, Pastor Phil, but I'm in prison right now and I need help. Can I give you an encouraging word? Help others while you're getting help. It's the best help. See, we've all heard the saying, when life gives you lemon, when guy, when life gives you lemons, what do you do? You know what Joseph would say? When life sticks you in prison, start a prison ministry. Start a prison. I did that. I was in the hospital, went to a, a mission trip in the Dominican Republic. It was pretty amazing and creepy and weird. And, and uh, but I'm not really a missions guy. Like I, I'll send the money. I'll go every once in a while. But I went for 10 days. It was awesome. God did a lot of things. But I came back and when I would breathe, I felt like there was a semi truck that was running over my chest. And I, I took a couple of ibuprofen and was praying and it just didn't go away. So I went to the hospital and uh, to make a long story even longer, they did the EKG or whatever that thing is. And they're like, it's off. It's weird. You're going to have to stay here. And so I was going to stay there for three weeks. And uh, so, I mean, three days. And so I was there going to monitor your heart. And I was like, man, I got stuff I got to do. Like, I can't be in the hospital. Anybody feel that way? And then they try to put one of those designer gowns on you with those amazingly fashionable patterns. Right. And, um, I never know like whether, you know, they're like put on the gown, like, okay, am I supposed to like strip naked or am I, I mean, I don't want the doctor to come in and go, Whoa, I, that's not what I expected. But they give you that, you know, so I, it's just really awkward and people come in and they're touching you and poking you. And, and anyway, so I'm in the room and I'm just sitting there right in my weird gown and just, you know, I, I'm just praying and, and all of a sudden they wheel somebody else in and I didn't have a, a neighbor. So I thought, oh, cool, I'll have a private room. But they wheel in some guy. He was he's about 65 years old. And so I just started talking to him and asking him, you know, <laughs> I was like two guys in prison. Like, hey, what are you in for? Like, uh, yeah, this is what happened to me. And, and he's like, you know, I have diabetes and, and, and all this stuff in my heart and all these things. And, and, and I, now you got to get the picture. I'm in this weird gown. I have oxygen. They have oxygen in my, in my nose. And if you've ever had one of those things, those things hurt your nose, right? But you have to have them on. So I have this thing on, right? And now with that oxygen, you can only get out of the bed and go so far without the hose, like pulling you back. Right. And so I start talking to him and I get up and we're talking and he asked me about what I do. And I asked him if he's ever met Jesus. And I asked him and we started talking about God and I asked him if he believes in healing. Now get this. I'm in a hospital robe with oxygen on my nose, talking to another man about how God heals us. Right. Because let me, let me just be honest and how he needs to know the Lord, because if I were to die the next day, I'm going to heaven. If he dies, who knows where he's going? But all I'm trying to say is that there is a bigger picture. And you know what? Because I was in the hospital and decided to start a hospital ministry. He gave his life to Christ. And I was over there with my oxygen on my nose, praying for him like this. Come on, somebody like, Hey, and Jesus loves you and he cares about you. And, and I didn't want to take off the oxygen. I had faith for his healing, but I couldn't take off the oxygen. <laughs> well, it's a true story. And guess what? I made it out of the hospital. I, I know you didn't know that, but I made it out of the hospital, healthy and whole. And what I'm telling you, what I'm telling you is that you need to sow in every season of your life. I don't have anything to give. Oh, you do. Try this. Everybody smile at me. Whether you brushed or not this morning, that's all right. Come on, smile. See, you just gave that away. And if you smile more often, I will tell you this. I'll preach faster. You'll get out of here a lot earlier. Listen. Can you give an encouraging word to somebody else? What does it cost you to encourage somebody else? What does it cost you to love on somebody else? See, we all have time we can give. 
We all have treasure. I wish some of you knew. I wish some of you knew what some of the people on this stage are going through as they're singing, I am a child of God. And it always blesses me because I know that the people on this stage, who I know their story and I know what they're going through. And when I see them up on the stage, I'm like, you're sowing in every season. You're going to come out of the prison. Because they get up early and when they, when they need help themselves, they're up here worshiping so you can worship. They're helping you while they need help. Guess what? They are going to come out of the prison in Jesus' name. You got to sow in every season. Here's number two. If you're going to unlock prison doors, we need to understand that in the delay, there is discovery. Everybody say discovery. discovery. Now, Every dream can have delays, but you need to know this about a dream. Your dream is for an appointed time. Joseph is going to get in the palace at the appointed time when he's needed. And so we need to wait sometimes. There is delays. And oh, in the prison, especially when you're in the prison, oh, it seems like, whoo, there is a delay. But it's important to know that when it comes to God, delay is not denial. Just because it hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it's not going to happen, right? People ask me all the time about our church. You know, our church is about five and a half years old. We're not 20 years old. We're, we're still growing. And I think people, one of the mindsets with us is that people are like, well, you don't have that, right? Uh, so if you don't have this ministry or whatever, it doesn't mean that, I guess it means that you don't want that ministry. No, it doesn't mean that we don't want the ministry. It just means that we don't have somebody to start the ministry. Yeah. Just because we don't have it yet doesn't mean that we don't want it. Can I hear a good amen? But everything in its time, everything has an appointed time, but it's so important that to understand that nobody likes delays. And you know what? Delays can really cause disappointment. Can I hear a good amen today? Amen. And here's what disappointment is. Disappointment is the gap that exists between expectation and your reality. You get really, really disappointed. You know what frustration is? Frustration is when your expectation and your experience don't match up. I have a lot of expectation. But I have to understand that there is a timing for everything. But watch this, because Joseph decided to sow in every season and minister to someone else's dream, something supernatural happens. Come on, when Bobby Flay, the baker, and Alfred, the butler, start sharing their dreams, guess what Joseph does? He's serving them, ministering to them. Something supernatural happens. He interprets their dream. See, eventually this gift of interpreting dreams is what jo will bring Joseph in front of Pharaoh. Listen, everybody look at me. When did Joseph discover that he could interpret dreams in the prison of his life? And in the prison of his life, he decided or understood that he could discover interpreting other people's dreams. You know why? Because he decided to sow in every season of his life. Now watch this. Everybody wants to go to the palace. That's where Pharaoh's is. That's where the prosperity is. And let me tell you, that's where your destiny is. Your destiny is not in the prison. Your destiny is not in the prison. Your destiny is not in the pit. Your destiny is in the palace. There will be a dream come true. But everybody wants the palace. Everybody look at me this morning. Everybody wants to stand in front of Pharaoh and use their gifts. They want to use their gifts in front of Pharaoh. But God's never going to let you use your gift in front of Pharaoh, unless you can use your gift in front of the butler and the baker. Did you hear what I just said? What people do is they ignore the butler and the baker and what they're going through because they want Pharaoh. But it was in serving two guys in the prison while he was in prison that a gift was activated. You know, Proverbs 18, 16 says a man's gift. Everybody say gift. A man's gift makes room for him and brings him before great men. You have a DNA. You have a gift. So when you get into the prison, it tries to cramp all of those things out. But you have a gift. My church family, how do you discover your gift? Number one, go to growth track. End of this month. But number two, Joseph discovered his gift by serving other people. You develop your gift by serving other people. Everybody wants to go into the palace and serve Pharaoh. That's where your destiny is. But watch this. You know, Joseph's destiny was that he would serve a whole nation. 
But you can't serve a whole nation if you can't serve two people. And we live in a society today that people don't want to serve anybody else. Today, when I go to certain places, I have to pray in the spirit because I'll tell you what, the customer service today is a lost art. And I'm like, they are paying you. But see, you don't know what Joseph knows. It's not about the money. It's about serving and and sowing in every season, whether you're getting paid or not. And Joseph honored God, even in the prison of his life. But everybody wants, right, the acceleration and the promotion. But can I just tell you today, there's preparation. Preparation precedes promotion. I wonder what your job would look like on Sunday, on Monday, if you decided to really serve people, give people mercy like God gave you, encourage people like you would want to be encouraged. Isn't that what the Bible says? Doesn't the Bible say treat other people exactly like they treated you? Is that what the Bible says? So if they're mean to you, just go ahead and be mean back. That's the way. Is that what the Bible says? The Bi- what does the Bible say? That I'm supposed to treat you like what? How I want to be. So if I, watch, if I'm treating you how I want to be treated, I have to sow a seed into you. Because those seeds in every season will produce, will produce. My church family, Joseph, went from the prison to the palace because he was willing to use the gift God gave him to help other people in the prison of his life. Can I just encourage you, whenever you're going through a prison season, don't withdraw. I know you feel down, but I, if you will invest, if, come on, somebody, if you will sow in every season of your life, if you just will look at it as maybe it's delayed, but God, I want to discover my gifts and my talents, you are going to get out of that prison. Here's the last one today. Number three, realize how I respond in the prison can help others to realize God. If I may, these last two or three minutes, I'm going to speak to the leader in you. I believe that dreamers are leaders. Why do you believe that? Dreamers see what other people don't see. That makes you a leader. Dreamers see before other people see. That makes you a leader. I see things for our community, for our church, before our congregation sees it through dreams. That's what makes me a leader. And I just believe as a Christian, as a leader, we bear certain responsibilities. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. Like what? Well, you need to know. I'm going to state the obvious. The world is watching us today. The world is watching how we act, what we do. And Joseph interprets the dreams of Bobby Flay and the butler, Alfred. And he tells them this. He says, I'm sorry, Bobby Flay, this is what your dream means. You will be chopped. You're going to be chopped. In three days, Pharaoh's going to cut your head off. Amen. Next. (laughs) That's not what I would want to hear. But he tells Alfred, the butler, in three days, you're going to be restored to your position. And when you do, just remember me. Remember that I served you. And of course, the butler is going to forget. I just encourage you, you can have hope in people, but have faith in God. Because people always forget. But you know, what I find interesting, if Joseph didn't serve them well, with the right attitude, the butler, when Pharaoh had a dream, because you need to know this. Our dreams are linked together. Your dream and your destiny is part of a bigger picture. It's part of a bigger purpose. It's not just about you. It's about the kingdom of God. And God wants to use all of us. But listen, it just is going to happen that Pharaoh has a dream and he's going to threaten everybody. You better find somebody to interpret my dream. Oh, and now when his life's on the line, Alfred, oh yeah, there's this little Hebrew guy in the prison and he served me and interpreted my dream. My church family, if Joseph didn't respond correctly in the prison, he would have never made it to the palace. Never made it to the palace because the butler wouldn't have anything good to say about Joseph. 
And he's going to go. He went from the prison to the palace because he responded well. And what you're going to find out is Joseph next week. When we talk about having a dream and having a plan, Joseph's going to stand before Pharaoh. Now, you got to understand, Pharaoh to the Egyptians was like a god. And he's going to talk about, Joseph is going to talk to Pharaoh about the almighty God. He's going to talk to Pharaoh about the almighty God. See, you got to respond well in the prison because the way you respond can help others realize God. Do you remember Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? Man, Daniel was a great guy. Man, and the king really loved Daniel. But the king, he was manipulated by a couple of guys. So because he said, if you keep praying, Daniel, I'm going to have to throw you in the lion's den. So they throw Daniel in the lion's den because he refused to pray. But you know what? Daniel's attitude, he goes into the lion's den. You may be there right now. But you know what? The Bible says that when the king ran in the morning and opened up that lion's den, he he says, Daniel, are you there? Daniel's like, yeah, I'm still here. The angel of the Lord came down and shut the lion's mouth. Watch this. And you know what that did to the whole nation? The whole nation recognized God because the king saw the way Daniel responded in the lion's den. And I want to speak to some people today that we bear a responsibility as leaders that how we respond in the prison of our lives can actually inspire people to rise up and to know God. Do you know that our family went through a prison? Our parents went through a divorce. It was a horrible time. My dad was a pastor, so it was a public thing. But I want to tell you today, I stand here today because of the way that my mom responded in the prison of her life. She never blamed my dad in front of us. She always told us to love our dad. And I know it was hard. She didn't, it wasn't like she didn't show tears. I'm not talking about that. But I remember when I would talk bad, she says, I'm not going to talk bad about your father. But see, what she realized, and sometimes we don't, she had three little eyes that were always watching her. My sister Katie, my brother George, and me were always watching her because in the prison of her life, she showed us how to respond. And we saw God and my brother and my sister and my sister's kids, my brother's kids, me, my family are all in the ministry today because my mom responded well in the prison of her life. Come on, would you stand this morning? I do not want to make light of what you're going through and the prison that you are in or what's going on in your life. But I want to tell you, the doors will be unlocked. But we need to respond like Joseph responded today. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.